Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. Peter is with me, and I'm Orion. That, that's the order that I said things in this time. Welcome to episode 33, it says in my notes. And we are in the book of Luke still. Luke uh, was put to me uh, a little earlier today that we did our Roman studies and that that was uh, kind of the deep level stuff. And then Luke has been more like a lightweight study. Do you remember this, Peter? Ha! Do you remember this? I think those words came out of my mouth and I realized they're wrong. (laughs) And we're finding uh, that there's a lot of stuff that is hard. Hard, yeah. Thank you. That's the that's the best way. It's hard, and it's it's a good time though. We're having a good time. So we talk Bible on this show. Welcome to it. Uh, Want to tell you how you can get in touch with us. Podcast at morethanhearers.com is the email. Facebook.com slash morethanhearers is the Facebook page. You can get us uh, on the Twitter. I'm at Orion Plays Music. Peter's available at mth underscore Peter. If you're listening on an app, please review this podcast favorably. I don't, I don't, you don't owe me anything, okay? But if you're, if you're digging it, if this is your first time, don't review yet. I mean, it has to be a fake review. You haven't heard anything. But if this is uh, your second or your fifth or your 33rd, oh yeah, I forgot to review the More Than Hearers podcast on my Apple iTunes app or whatever. Go, go, come on. Show us some love there. Yeah, it'd be uh, awesome. And then we, uh, as mentioned more recently, we'd like to expand this to more audiences, uh, or one audience, but more people that make up the audience. We just would like to get... No, no, the, I'll take other people's audiences. Oh, sure. Bring, bring them on. No, I'm just we, lo- we love doing this, and we're going to keep doing it uh, as long as God wills. But the... Um, yeah, if we... If we had your donations, whatever, we're not. There's nothing that you don't have to give anything. But if you feel like you want to, uh, we can use that to uh, reach a larger audience and build this. Uh, we're looking for the word is community. We're looking for a community of people mm. to engage in dialogue with on this stuff. Because really, who do you know? Maybe you're blessed, but who do you know that you can run some of these tough things by? I mean, I, I can imagine like a forum, like where it's like. People come and it's uh, they can throw out tough ideas and then you know get answers back from people who are digging just as hard and really wanting to get to the, you know there's there's not a whole lot of easy answers in the stuff that we've been studying but there's valuable answers if you put the work in don't be like the disciples dis- yeah what's that disciples <laughs> in Luke nine where they were too afraid to ask yeah don't be like that shoot us an email a te- uh, text never mind I'm not giving you my phone number over the internet but shoot us an email or a Facebook message or uh, DM us on Twitter or whatever else and be like hey man uh, I've been afraid to ask this question but since you don't know who I am or whatever else here it is and. We'll do our best to tell you we don't know. Anonymity is a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you, do our best to tell you we don't know. Yeah, a lot of that. Isn't that the answer? A lot of the times, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, okay, good answer. <laughs> you. <laughs> We're in Luke chapter ten. We finally finished our two-parter in Luke nine uh, A and B. Here we are, Luke ten. A whole fresh set of fun. Episode thirty-three. Yes. Man alive! I'm ready. All right, Luke chapter 10, as always, we're rocking the NIV, rock out in whatever version you'd like. 
Uh, except for that. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, I'm not going to do that. Don't. <laughs> All you message readers out there, we love having you. Keep following along. <laughs> Sorry. Poking fun. It was too easy. Couldn't help it. Verse uh, verse 1, Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go! I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. There's encouraging words. Mm. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. I'm going to start doing that when I come over to your house, Ryan. Please. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered you. Heal the sick uh, who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go to the streets and say, no, not go to the streets, go into its streets and say, that would have been funny. Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet is a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. I want to pause there because there's a couple of things in here. I'll say. I don't know that I had seen before. Like, and I studied this. Orion, you, yeah. you you seem poised. Me first? Yeah, please. Uh, I think we have the same things, but I want to hear what you have to say. Do you have anything in one through four? One through. No. I'm, I didn't until I remembered, don't greet anyone on the road? That's, that's not in four. That's in five, isn't it? That's Six? four. Oh, four. Do that. not take a purse. And do not greet anyone on the road. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, you're right. Is that a little interesting? Like a little... Well, especially when we've come right off the heels of while Jesus is on the road, people come to him and go, because it was the end of chapter nine, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus goes, oh, cool. Uh, And they go, well, first I got to bury my dad. No, no, bury, let the dead bury your own dead. And it says Jesus even called to someone on the road and said, follow me. But then he follows that up with, "Uh, I need 72 of you. one, two, one, two, like youth group game, right? One, two, one, two. Okay, all the ones over here, all the twos over there. Every one find a two, every two find a one. Okay, you're paired up. Now, I'm going to send you out into all the towns we're going to. Uh, first team, you're going to go here. Second team, you're going to go here. Third team, you're going to go here. When you go, um, uh, go into a house. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't talk to anybody on the road. Stranger danger. Hey, man, where are you going? Mm, mm. My dad said I don't get to talk to strangers. Yeah. No, no ice cream from the ice cream man. I feel like... This might be, I want to know your thoughts. Is this because you can get caught up with one guy on the street as a detractor that can slow you down from getting any real work done? One one person can hold up a lot of work. Oh, yeah. And if if we read on here, the goal is to go into towns, right? And prepare the way. It's to declare the kingdom of heaven is near. So at least, like, he's looking at minimum of households, right? He's going into households, mm-hmm. which, uh, what would it be a, a sort of a typical household size, you think? At that I don't know. It was bigger than it is now. Sure. Yeah, because you usually yeah, fam- had extended family. You usually lacked birth control. That <laughs> too. Of any kind. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm guessing. 
<laughs> yeah, the pill wasn't real common in first century Palestine. The, the, you know, the one guy could hold up the show on the road, and so it's like, you know, hey, how's it going? Where, where are you guys heading? Oh, we're going to—and then what happened last time? Uh, you know, uh, people got run out, and then uh, James and John wondered if they should— uh, burn Call down them, fire from heaven. Burn I remember alive. That. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, I'm just wondering if that's the reason, because it, it can't be uh, that we're not supposed to engage people and be nice to people, or be polite at least, right? But it's like, don't read them. I think it just might have been. There's also a sense of urgency about this, yeah. and it's it's something that I think um, I may have shared here on the podcast, but I think it's something we're missing in the modern church. Not every church. I'm sure, listener, your church is great at this. Um, but the modern church as a whole has lost the urgency of the first century church. And uh, there's a sense of urgency about this. of Like, don't get bogged down on the road chatting people up. Don't lollygag. Don't drag your feet. Get to where you're going. If I'm honest, I don't know that I want a sense of urgency. It's hard. I... I I want it, but then I but then I don't want the, the some of the stuff that comes with it of um, looking for something and then it not being there, like that kind of like because we I don't know I get I can get I can get disappointed and discouraged. Oh yeah, yeah, same. So I if it's out of mind, you know. It's like I don't know what the first century's urgency looks like in 2019 or whenever it is right because there's obviously a different set of circumstances yeah very different yeah there there's culture was different the way society was structured was different all of it the way people made an income the way their income was required of them for sustainable life all of it all of it is, is completely different and i don't know what it looks like today and so that's part of the reason why i struggle with the concept but there was an urgency in the first century church that we have definitely lost the other thing that i wanted to say that i, I thought was interesting verse five sorry verse six if someone promotes peace oh yeah i know it's part of five when you enter a house first say peace to this house right Six, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it's like n- no harm done, right? I mean, it says right. it says it will return to you. I have been guilty of w- waiting to bless someone until I think they are worthy. Uh, Ooh, yeah, does that makes sense. No, yeah. So it's like. Uh, well, I got to find out where the, you know where this person's standing is before I offer up a casual uh, peace to you. God bless you, you know, yeah. and and that's there. There's no. It, it doesn't say anything about like oh you wasted some blessing or you wasted this peace offering. It just says it just comes back to you like no big deal if they don't accept it. Uh, you know what's the what's the harm in trying basically? Yeah, and I appreciate that that's there because that that can help me course correct a little bit of how I uh, treat strangers. Or even people I know, for that matter. It, it, it really, there is no, yeah, there's no harm in it, right? There's no harm in, hey, uh, peace to this house. We don't want any of your peace. Okay. Okay. Don't have it. Fine. No, no peace off my back. No, take it. <laughs> you better. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, it's. God's looking. Will you just please take the peace? So the next verse is one of the pieces I wanted to, to grab on. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you. Mm-hmm. And it actually comes up again. Um, it's eight. Verse, eat what is offered to you. Yeah, eat what is offered to you. I can't tell you that this correlates to the vision Peter has in Acts. I think that's 
absolutely what that correlates uh, to. But I think it does. <laughs> I think that's what it's about. Except that it was Israeli towns, and so probably they weren't going to be offered anything not kosher. Well, why mention it twice? I, that's okay. So you're getting where I'm going. Yeah, it's that's the. I don't think I ever saw it before. I think even in my initial study of it, I didn't see it before. And we know um, from studying scripture over two millennia, anytime Jesus or anyone in the Bible repeats something, it's for emphasis. And Jesus is going, a lot of it is, is, you know, don't talk to anybody on the road. Give your peace to the house. If they don't want it, fine, it goes back to you. Eat whatever they offer you. Don't get caught up in the mundane details. Because, he says, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. The worker deserves his wages. Don't bounce from house to house. Just eat whatever the people you're staying in are giving you. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what's offered to you. And then this. This is why all of that other stuff, just let it slide off your back. Because heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. When you enter a town and you're not welcome, go into its streets and say... Even the dust of this town we wipe from our feet is a warning to you. Yet, be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. And that's the whole point, I think, in all of this, is Jesus goes, look, I'm sending you out two by two. As you go to all the towns we're coming to, don't waste any time on the road. Go find a house to go into, offer it your peace. If it doesn't want it, fine. Who cares? Don't get caught up in that. Um, if they offer you food, uh, they give you pig's feet and uh, shrimp. Uh, just eat it. What if they give you alcohol? <sighs> uh, yeah, I don't. I don't drink. But and, and I need oh, th- this I is a story. Go ahead. This is the point where I need to say I believe there's a. You talked about the difference in urgency. I believe there's a different calling to us. Now, you and I, us, as well as the average listener, us, the majority of people, us, I don't believe we're called to do what this is saying. Oh, so such a great... Is that okay to say? It is. And and some listeners are going to have pushback on that. Please send your emails and your messages and your texts about this. I don't know why I keep saying texts. Oh, because the Stop Facebook messages come to my phone. Oh, that's, that's why. Um, send your messages on this because I'd love, and Orion, I'm sure, would, would love to engage you on this because I think you're right. Okay, because I've received pushback even from my, my community church on that where there's, yeah. there's a, a, the stance seems to be that uh, anytime you read Jesus telling someone, one of his disciples, a thing— that applies to everybody. No, and I don't. I don't agree. I used to, uh, and I'm not to say, not to say that I necessarily have a better understanding now than I did. I think I do, but uh, but if this were uh, there's and and I already applied the you know offering peace onto people to myself. Right. So some of this stuff I'm going to take like oh, okay that's how Jesus at one point did want a you know a particular group of his disciples to be. So I. I should take some of that stuff and try to adopt that. But I don't drink alcohol. And looking at this, I think I should soberly, I like that phrase, uh, (laughs) just evaluate what that means. If I'm there to have, most of my friends and family, I mean, they're they're not going to offer me that anyway. But if I were meeting with someone and uh, the sensitivity of what they're serving for food and drink came up, and I, as soon as I go, oh, I don't eat X, Y, or Z, or I don't drink uh, A, B, or C, 
that's suddenly that's something we can't bond over. Right. And the point of this, I think that they they were supposed to uh, just co-opt whatever that that because we know the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Right. So that stuff doesn't matter. Right. But if it stood as a stumbling block in the way of getting that relationship built and that message across, then it's a problem. Yep. So what do you do, Orion? I think I I think I need to change at the point where if someone says, uh, you know, if I'm meeting with strangers again, if someone offers, it doesn't have to be strangers. If someone goes, I know you don't drink, but wine with your meal. Maybe the, I don't like wine. Maybe I don't the, either. maybe the right answer is uh, just a, just a little. So I have a story along okay. these lines um, <clears throat> because this happened to me. This very thing happened to me, not in relation to the gospel necessarily. So several years ago. My sister and I invested a lot of time and energy into family tree research. I've told some of these stories before, maybe not on the podcast. Did the whole Ancestry.com thing. I have not done the Ancestry DNA thing. Don't, don't email me about it. I just have my reasons, but I haven't done it. But we did some real solid research, and we discovered some really cool ancestral stuff in the state of Texas, including an ancestral home, house, in the state of Texas. And so we went. Uh, we got in touch with the owners of the house. Um, the My family, my last name's Willis. The Willis family had this house built in 1854, uh, like 1865. Peter Willis I, of whom I am many further down, uh, sold the house. Sold it to the Davis family with everything in the house, the furnishings and everything. Um, his daughter had died in the house. His wife had died. He wanted nothing to do with it anymore. Sold the furnishings and all to the Davis family. It stayed in the Davis family till 2012, from 1865 to 2012. Then the David, the last remaining family member of that Davis family was old and passing away, and she sold it uh, to a British couple who she's an interior designer, and they restored the house. We got in touch with this lady. She invited us to come see the house, and we toured the house. It was amazing. There are There's a chest at the top of the stairs that Peter Willis had written his name into, Peter Willis I. It was a super cool experience. We saw the whole house. We get down to the kitchen. We all gather around this island in the kitchen that she had made. They had to restore a beam in the foundation of the house where they took sections of that beam and made a countertop out of it. We gather around the countertop, and she breaks out a bottle of wine. She goes, I've been saving this for meeting you guys. And I go, I don't, I don't drink. She goes, don't be rude in my house. Dang. I'll take a small glass, please. <laughs> like it was, um, it was, um, this woman opened her home to strangers from California who were interested in her house. And she saved and set aside this bottle of wine to commemorate this occasion. And right. I go, I don't, I don't want your devil water. That's not what I said. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't drink. And she just really simply and directly said, don't be rude. Take a small glass, please. I don't like wine at all. Not even a little bit. I've never had a wine where I'm like, mmm. <laughs> please don't send wine to the <laughs> yeah, more than hearers. Don't podcast. send wine. Uh, grape juice I'm all about. I love like, some good quality grape juice. Yeah, but if you let it sit out for a long time. It goes bad, right? It's not any good. <laughs> it's not good at all. But uh, yeah, it's we need to, as believers, particularly when we're talking about declaring the kingdom of God, um, we, need to find way, not be, <laughs> we need to find ways to build bridges and not walls. Um, it's, it's, it's such a value to the advancement of the kingdom. And when you talk about how some, when Orion made this statement that some of this stuff isn't talking to us, there was an, uh, something going on in the establishment of the early church. In the writing of the Bible that we're not doing anymore. 
We're just not. We're not writing the Bible anymore. It's written and it's done. Excuse me. And it's sealed up for us. There's no new New Testament coming. No. No, no, no. There's none needed. No. We have everything we need in the scripture for today. And so there's a different, we're in a different time. I'm not a dispensationalist by any means uh, at all. Not even a little bit. Uh, We're in a different time. We're not in the church establishment age. We have an established church almost worldwide. We should be advancing the gospel by all means and taking it to places where it's never been before. But it looks different than it did then. You might be a dispensationalist if. (laughs) Let's not get there. You get an email. What is dispensationalism, Peter and Orion? I don't know. I'll forward that to Orion, and I do. Um, uh, anyway, so uh, but twice Jesus says, uh, "Heal the sick, tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you." And also on the other side, if they refuse you, tell them you're leaving. Shake the dust off your sandals and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. So for some, it's good news. For others, it's not. It's not good news. That's the great thing about truth is that's where you need to decide which side of truth are you on. Is it good news for you or is it bad news? Uh, Go ahead. I agree. No, you don't. Yeah. yeah, Look on your face says you don't. Well, no, no. It's just a different thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's not a contrary thing. The uh, people. Jesus says here when, uh, when when you're rejected, you just say, uh, the kingdom of God has come near. You're not supposed to do the next part, which he just tells his disciples. Uh, you're not supposed to say, it'd be more bearable on that for day so- for Sodom than you guys. <laughs> right? Like that. If you look at that, his quote ends before that. Uh, yeah, it does. But how many times have you seen you know, people the, do this? The Christian trying to get the last word in. Uh, it's like we still want to be engaged in that, but it, it's a trap. There's such a lesson here that I think we have lost in the modern church of if someone doesn't agree with us or says we're wrong, we want to argue. Cause it's like our, well now my uh, intelligence is on the line or you think I made a bad choice or whatever. It's not about you. Jesus goes, shake off your sandals and get, get moving. Go, Hey, kingdom of God's near yep, that's and it. bounce. Cause somebody needs to hear this. Yeah. For somebody it's good news. Yeah. Quit wasting your time with that one. If you got one person that's just a drain, if that one detractor is keeping you from getting any real work done, it's okay to just walk away. I wish verse 12 read differently. I wish it said, I will tell you, I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for the people of that town. Yeah, you don't like that the town gets thrown under the bus. I right? don't. Because I, you don't want the town to be the one that gets the credit. Or the, or the, or the blame, I know. Yeah, it's, it's it, not about the town. And, and I know we've talked before about do... Does God bless cities or, or curse countries yeah. or bless bless or curse cities or countries or is it people? Yeah. Well, wh- okay. Why did God curse the city of Sodom? Because of all the evil that was in it. How much good was in it? One. What happened? God drug them out. Okay. So except it, for his wife so, who got a little salty about uh, that thing. Shoot. <laughs> so it's not that the town has done wrong. Right. The town is, I mean, what is a town if not for its inhabitants, right? True, yeah. But if if the town, if it's like no one there, you know, not not one person, well, the one, like in the case of uh, Lot, 
Because I think Abraham was like, what if you find five good people? Right, he did. He was like yeah. he bartered down, I think, with God until he got to, I forget, it, it might have been 10, yeah, might have been five. 10 or 5. But whatever it was, it was like, oh, okay, that's, that's it? Okay, but then God was gracious enough to remove them before that terrible judgment came. But in, in here, that's, uh, uh, it's using the word town, but it's not because of the border of the town. It's not, borders don't make righteous or evil. It's the people within them. That I totally people. agree. Yeah. I, but I, I know that's why you wish it read different. You just I do, because I, in the town. Yeah, there are things that happen in this country and in other countries, and when they come up in the news, I see plenty of Christians on social media go, God's going to turn his back on America. God's going to turn his back on England. God's going to turn his back on Venezuela or wherever it might be. There's a lot of people there that he'd be turning his back on that are ardent followers. Followers and believers of God. And so I know he would not do that. I'm of the opinion that that's not really necessarily how God works anymore. Uh, he had his nation, the nation of Israel. They turned their back on him, which is why he sent Jesus to the nations. Mm-hmm. And why now there is no Jew or Gentile. There is no slave or free. Amen. So... That's where I struggle with this. Anyway, verse 13, woe to you. It looks like Corazon, which sounds too much like Corazon, which is Spanish word for heart. So I don't know what to do with that. But woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Corazon and Bethsaida are Jewish towns. Uh, Bethsaida, a place where Jesus spent an awful lot of time. And did um, a lot of cool things. And yet so many people rejected him. Tyre and Sidon were Gentile port cities where a lot of shenanigans went on. Um, They were not holy cities by any means. And Jesus goes, had I healed dead kids or raised dead kids and healed blind folks and lepers in Tyre and Sidon, the whole town would have been in sackcloth and ashes begging for mercy. But you guys were like, meh, let's kill him. Mm. He's just, he's annoyed, (laughs) but it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. It's Greek for the realm of the dead or for hell, really. It's, it's a really nice NIV way of Jesus going, no, you'll go to hell. Sure. Anyway, whoever listens to you, he's back to talking to the 72. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me, Jesus says, rejects the one who sent me. And there's a great lesson in that for us, talking about this idea of when people want to argue with us about our faith. It's not a personal attack on us. It's not a rejection of us. It's a rejection of Jesus. Instead of being angry at them more than anything, we should be like... Sad for them. Oh man, this is such a bummer. I, there's a there's a illustration I have to this. My daughter works in customer service um, on the phone. She doesn't work face to face with people, and she'll come home and how's your day today? I had a really rough day. I got yelled at by somebody because of something that I weren't happy with, and they yelled at me. And I tell her all the time, they're not yelling at you. Did you fail on their expectations? No, it wasn't me. I go, you just delivered the message that their expectations weren't going to be met, right? She goes, yeah. I go, they're not mad at you. She goes, they yelled at me. I go, no, you're just a target for their anger. But they're not mad at you. You didn't do it. And it's the same thing here. Whoever rejects the message of Christ that we give isn't rejecting us. They're rejecting Christ. 
You got to, and that's where this just dust your feet off and go. It's not about you. Advancing the gospel is not about us. It has nothing to do with us. It gains us nothing other than some buddies to hang out with in heaven. Yay. Some extra ones. <laughs> or in the new Jerusalem. I don't know. Where I don't have an answer for that. I, I think Jesus, uh, in my theology anyway, he unnecessarily separate theologically separates himself from the one who sent him right because i think that i think that he sent himself he sent himself is basically how i think of it right but for our benefit right he he demonstrates it like that he he makes it so that we can just like jesus we are just bringing a message that someone sent us and i think that's cool that's another way that he i think is diminishing himself for our benefit it it boils all the way down to um, this gets into some weird, deep theological stuff. And if I hurt your brain, I'm sorry. Please don't wreck your car if you're listening in the car right now. But the idea, we want to believe that Jesus had to die for our sins. No, God is sovereign. God could have just called a mulligan for all of us and have been the end of it. Jesus didn't have to die. God could have just gone, uh, from now on, here's how sin's going to go. Yeah, he could have made the rules different. Yeah. He makes the rules anyway. Right. He sent Jesus to die for us because then it became clear for us that the old covenant was fulfilled in Christ. He did it to make it clearer for us, but God can do whatever he wants. Jesus didn't have to die. God doesn't have to do anything but be God. That's it. It's all <laughs> It's all for us. It's... It's even more evidence of his love and outpouring of his love for us and how much he just totally digs us, that he does this stuff for us. Anyway, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. This means next Sunday at your church, bring in some poisonous snakes and scorpions handle them. Too. A scorpion, if you can find Please. it. Depends on where you live. And handle them as part of your worship service. <laughs> you laugh, all right. <laughs> I, I'm sorry if I offended someone. This happens. I, I've heard of it. This happens. The snakes are not actually venomous, right? No, no, no. People have died. Oh. Some don't? Some have not gotten bitten? That's a miracle. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not testing that one. I'm not going to these churches. Okay, fair enough. This is actually happens, I guess, in the South. is a, is quite a, a common thing. Uh, I saw a snake in our church parking lot this morning that I was pretty sure was not poisonous, and I didn't pick it up. I, I don't think you need to. I don't. I don't want to. Yeah. This is, I, according to this, you're supposed to trample it. Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> not supposed to sing uh, you, you Chris disobeyed. Tomlin songs while handling them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, just wondering. Um, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And this is just more reinforcement of what Jesus has been talking about for the last couple of chapters. It's not about the method. It's not even about what God does. For through you. That's the crazy thing. Like when we look at the ministry of Paul and some of the crazy stuff that happened in the book of Acts in his ministry. And Paul just kept going, Christ came to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. 
even Jesus goes, look, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and I've given you authority to trample on everything. But none of that matters. What you should be focused on is that your names are written in the book of life in heaven. We good? Yes. Verse 21, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, or learned if you grew up in the King James, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This he turned, then he turned to his disciples and he said privately, just to the 12, by the way, not the whole 72. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And I love this on the heels of the transfiguration. Because this is what the transfiguration was all about. Right? It was about Moses and Elijah going, look, everything we did was leading up to this. The time is coming. And Jesus goes, look, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Solomon and David and all these guys, they longed to see what you are seeing right here, but they didn't get to see it. And you are so blessed. And, and for us, we're blessed in that we get to see it all in retrospect. It's amazing. We're going to um, push through here. I think we've, we've got plenty of time. So you say. Verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes, what's written in the law? How do you read it? He goes, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Well, and uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, hey, who's my neighbor? Jesus goes, uh, it's a guy, Steve. He lives next door. No, I'm kidding. He goes, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, who happens to also be a priest, by the way. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a dirty, filthy, disgusting, traitorous Samaritan. I added some words. But, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and he saw him, and he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarius, about two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Jesus goes, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. It's, it's so funny because um, this story is pretty simple on the surface, and we're not going to dwell on it for a long time. But I love that Jesus goes first a priest and then a Levite, which is... Well, a keeper of the temple, not necessarily a priest. Uh, but Levi would just be someone in the tribe of Le Levi, of which Levi, was yeah. charged with the care and keeping of the temple. Uh, the, not necessarily the, priestly duties, but right. Well, and and that's only to those within a certain age range, and only the males and okay. Stuff. But but yeah, I mean, it, but it would they were the the priestly tribe for sure. Okay, 
And then he comes up with a Samaritan on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, where a Samaritan would never be. Jesus goes, the impossible happens. But that guy, who wouldn't even really actually be there, picks the dude up and takes total care of him. Now who's their neighbor? And all Jesus is trying to get at is, because the guy's going, the the word says, love love the Lord your God with thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus goes, yep, that's it. That's what you got to do. The guy goes, cool. Tell him. Who's my neighbor? Yeah. Because I don't love these Romans. Want to qualify it. In our town. I don't love these Gentiles who come here to take pictures of our temple and get selfies in front of the court of the Gentiles. I don't love those people. And Jesus goes, nope. Anybody who needs mercy. That's your neighbor. Okay, moving on. To the weirdest story in the whole Bible. Not really. Verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way... They came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And this is so weird to me. And I don't have a whole lot of resolution for you. I have a whole lot of answers for you. I just want to point out why it's weird. There's a time where Jesus gets invited to eat at a tax collector, or Pharisee's house, teacher of the law. And uh, this gal comes crying, perfume on him, crying on his uh, feet, wiping it with her hair, her tears and stuff, and... Uh, the guy goes, huh, if you knew who she was, you wouldn't be letting her touch your feet at all. And Jesus goes, hey, I came into your house. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't do these customary things that need to be done to welcome me in. This lady's doing it. But yet here, Jesus comes into the house, and Martha's trying to get all the stuff done for Jesus to make sure it's done. Sure. And Mary's just sitting there listening to whatever Jesus has to say. And Martha goes, hey, Jesus, trying to make sure everything's together for you here. Could you maybe tell my sister to get off her lazy bottom and help? And Jesus goes, you're worried about many things. She's doing what's important. Or what's more important Mm -hmm. is actually what he says. Sure. End scene. Go ahead. I, um, this has been one of my most troublesome passages for a long time. Me too. (laughs) Because I really like, I'm not that outgoing with, uh, like I'm a probably a terrible host. I mean, I I I'm, disagree. I'm pretty good with like the uh, conversation stuff, but then uh, like cooking for you, uh, probably not. Uh, probably uh, probably not gonna cook for you. Uh, not a whole lot. I will actually. I mean, I, I just didn't generally consider myself. My wife is a way better host, like hostess. Yeah, I was gonna say. Like, yeah, there you go. Uh, but. But when I see someone who is a good host or hostess, I'm like, that's a good host or hostess. And and then here, it's like good hostess, hostess Martha gets kind of condemned for getting too wrapped up in the hostessing. And and I'm like, hey, like that's what, she, that's what makes a good hostess. But Jesus disagreed, so I have to be wrong. Like it, it was better to just sit there with him and, and hear what he's company. got to say. Yeah, yeah. That that's the better thing. Yeah, and and there's some lessons here. We could our next church leadership meeting. We should probably discuss this passage and be like, uh, 
all the preparations to make church happen are great, but if it isn't focused on sitting at the feet and the teaching of Jesus, what's the point? And here's another another message. Maybe the preparation should have been done before, before. he showed up. Yeah. But what if he surprised him? How do we know Jesus didn't just pop in? I don't. Hey guys, gonna hang out. I'm it, just kidding. Could, I'm it, being. It could, no, I know you're being difficult. Yeah, and, that, and that's okay. But it, it could have been that he w- was just popping in. But how how often do we have that excuse? Really, like, really, we're more like, oh, uh, he's here. I better get things, uh, you know, going rather than he's coming. I better make it right. This comes back to the feeding of the five thousand, right? Jesus doesn't need much. He just took one kid's lunch. The one kid who showed up prepared and. I thought of the wedding, um, the wedding party, the lamps, or the the lamps, the lamps. That's the one I thought of. Yeah, because they're like, uh, we know we're supposed to get picked up pretty soon, and everyone's supposed to kind of manage their own uh, lamps, oil and you know, stuff, yeah. lamp and oil. And then you know, some are like, oh, we, we used it too. Much. We used it all. Can we have some? And it's like, uh, no, go to hell, basically. Right. I mean, I think it's what that metaphorically. Yeah. It's so another no, uh, go to Hades. We won't have enough for ourselves. So Bye. No. Yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, that's not, uh, that's just what kind of drawn to mind. On that note. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Uh, pretty much. Um, no, it, it, there is a, there's lesson after lesson after lesson throughout scripture about being prepared to meet with Jesus. And I think that's the takeaway from this. Um, is the preparation is necessary, but when it's time to meet with Jesus, the rest of it falls off the table. We need to be at his feet, hearing from what he has to say. Mm